Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where the Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys whose bodies have been toned and sculpted by craft beer, Chris and the Riz. Hey, hi ho Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 413. This is Lions Look with Luke Easterling, and it's the official Detroit Lions Podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Jeff the Riz Risden. How are you doing, brother? It feels like Groundhog's Day, doesn't it? Uh, uh, <laughs> funny you should say that. Yes, it's great to be back with you for the second time in 20 minutes. Hopefully this time we run through better. Fingers, fingers are crossed. Everything's everything that can be crossed is crossed. We've knocking on some wood. We've practiced. Let's roll, this baby. Once. We've practiced this once. We've got it. We've got Luke, Luke Easterling joining us today. Talk about the Lions, 2023 quarterbacks, all kinds of stuff going on with him. We're going to talk about Jared Goff and Groundhog Day. We've got that. Don't worry. We'll we'll do it. Jared won't break it again. Um, Lions, how much did they spend on their offense compared to everybody else? We've got a potential breakout players discussion on the Lions for this year. Training camp, listener appreciation party, and a whole lot more. we got a great show lined up. Riz, are you ready to go, my friend? Let's do it. Yeah, we've been ready for a little bit, haven't we? <laughs> Let's kick this off and break it down. Riz knows the words I was using is not going to get monetized. So just, just go over, just move over and just keep moving. Riz went a little blue <laughs> and purple and black and a lot. Yeah. I was not happy. Oh, you spend a bunch of money on crap and they give you a half finished product. All it right. It was at a Sam Pinson concert. <laughs> ow, ow! <laughs> All right, training camp party coming up. We got uh, some good stuff with that. Uh, Dan Miller is joining us. Jerry Jacobs is joining us. Uh, a huge, huge event for St. Jude. A lot of stuff going. No, not for St. Jude. Huge, huge event. Training camp party and listener appreciation party. We're going to make a St. Jude announcement there that you will get you involved in. Yeah, you will love lot it. Of fun. Yeah. Cool, cool thing coming there. All that's coming out at the party. It's a great time. It's uh, the 30th of July, 7 o'clock. It starts at the Uptown Grill in Commerce Township. Uh, first day of training camp is that day. Come out, join us for the party. Have a great time. Uh, food, drink, the whole thing. Non-alcoholic drinks. Sorry, can't can't do that whole alcohol thing. But come on out, have a great time with us. Um, it's going to be a blast, an absolute blast. I promise you. It is every year, and this year will be no different. Go to party.detroitlionspodcast.com. Tickets are limited. They are actually flying faster than other years off the shelves. Party.detroitlionspodcast.com. I think as we start announcing some of the other guests, people are going to get really hungry for those tickets. So I just recommend you get it and get it done, and we'll see you there. All right. I'm going to try this again. Jared Goff, he, uh, and, and sorry for the folks that are listening on the audio. You didn't get to see the whole first time through this. That's why we're referring to doing it again. There was a technical glitch. Um, so we're going to do this. Jared Goff said something back in the, uh, in the old days. and in, the, in his rookie season with the Rams in 2016. And it was like Groundhog Day, how it came from then to now, to what was going on. And I just want to play this because I haven't heard anybody else bring this up or say anything about it. So let me let me uh, first bring up Jared Goff from Christmas Eve of 2016. 
and I'll say this, I mean, to all the fans and everybody that came out today, I mean, we're appreciative and understand where we are and that we know they understand where we are. And I mean, it, it's just hard. And, and <laughs> I, I know they see it. I know we, I mean, it's hard in the locker room. It's hard for all of us, but I promise you guys it will get fixed. Um, everything in my heart and soul to get it all fixed. There you go. Jared Goff, taking it, putting it on his shoulder and doing the thing, right? Fast forward five years to 2021. And we get Jared Goff saying, you know, we, we stayed true. So all I'm saying is we will remain true. We'll remain resilient and the gut punches will stop now. Interesting, right? Um, what was it? A four win team his first year in LA? So. Yes. Yeah. They weren't good. Yeah. And how many years, how many wins were there in 2021? That'd be three. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting because we've talked about Jared Goff, his confidence. We've talked about some of the other things going on. He is a player that seems to need confidence to play well. And I think this last year could very well be attributed to his confidence in the people surrounding him versus confidence in himself in his first year in the league with the Rams. But he took that Rams team that he promised would get better to a Super Bowl. He and the team did. I mean, I don't I don't want to say Jared Goff towed that team there, but he definitely was a part of that. Um, this is going to be interesting to watch because when he said the gut punches thing in Detroit, even, I mean, everybody kicked him, you know, everyone gut punched him after, for saying that, including Tori Petri, if you remember. Oh, you sweet summer child or something like that, she said. And she's, she's a wonderful lady. She's a nice woman, all that. But uh, even she was ripping on him. And it's interesting because I would love to see that arc. I would love to see Jared Goff do that twice in the face of all the doubters and take this team to a level. He's got Brad Holmes, who was with him there. There, there may be conversations going on in the background very, very much about, remember that? Remember that arc? See what we did? I don't know. I, find, I just found it really interesting. That I, and again, I don't remember where I saw that quote, where it came from. Uh, it was it was somebody's tweet. And I, Dang it, I, I hit a restart and I lost. It's interesting you picked up on that because it is it is very similar verbiage. Um, the one thing that's different about it is that uh, that Rams team sort of, I don't want to say that they they didn't necessarily flop as bad as the Lions did relative to expectations, but with, with, with what they had, I, I think most, and, and as you know very well from living there, L.A. is a very different animal than Detroit. And I think the fans weren't as aghast at the losing as what Detroit is, even though we're obviously used to the losing. Used to it. Yeah. And I think that, that that's the context where he has to learn that. That, like, you know, there's only so many times you can get gut punched in Detroit and they're, they're just going to tune out on you or, you know, throw you to the wolves. Uh, that didn't really happen in Los Angeles. So I, I, I hope that he's aware of that. But, yeah, it's it's interesting that he's, he's got the same mindset that, that – could be a good sign. They went to the playoffs in 2017. They went to the Super Bowl after the 2018. So it, it, it happened very quickly there. Proof that it can happen with Goff at the quarterback. Yeah. He needs a lot of help. They've gotten him a lot of help. Let's hope that uh, it can all stay healthy and together and it works. Well, and we'll talk about that. I, I want to get to Luke here, but we'll talk about what we've done to bring help and how much we're spending on on help, including the Jared Goff piece. But this, this is interesting to watch, you know, that kind of piece play out. And, you know, the other thing I say is – Absolutely, Lions fans have been gut punched a million times, and you know it's like, yeah, it's easy to just 
take everything they say and throw it out. And hey, in the last 50 years, you'd have been right. But it was the same way when the wings finally pulled it together. And there was some serious gut punches. There was president trophy winning teams that, if I remember right, were swept in the first round by the Sharks. If I remember some of the details are wrong. Yeah, there was serious (laughs) gut punches in the for the Red Wings. And Scotty Bowman came to town. It would have been easy just to say, yeah, uh sure thing and dismiss it. But sometimes you see something that is actually different and you see something that brings a little something more. And it, it really, I mean, what, what I've seen the two drafts, what I've seen with uh, MCDC as in, in the players, I mean, I've, I've, I don't remember having players this dedicated to the team in my lifetime. I, I really don't. Even the 90, 91 team was a different, I mean, they had their own kind of problems. This is a team that is gelled like nobody else. It's, it's interesting. This is going to be a real this is a team where you, you feel like they can play collectively above their relative talent level. Yeah. And I don't think we said that about a Detroit team in a long time. No, no, that's absolutely right. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. And, and, you know, I hope, I hope this is right. I hope this is, you know, this kind of repeats itself when we see those things, although with a Super Bowl win instead of a loss, but either way, um, I, it's interesting. It's just very, very interesting to me. And, and I see a guy, he did it at Cal too. If you think about it, he yeah. came to a crappy team and he, and he, he turned that team into a pretty good, pretty good program in his time there, which is what got him to where he is, right? To get drafted where he was and all that kind of stuff. So I don't count Jared Goff out yet. I don't count him out yet. Um, this is definitely a big year for him. Let's get Luke on. Let's talk to Luke about Jared Goff. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Let's see if we can make this all work. Come on, Luke. He's Sterling, the managing editor for DraftWire. Old friend. There he is. Luke, how you doing, man? Doing great, guys. What's going on? Well, everything's gone well now that you're here. Let me tell you. That's right. <laughs> First off, your hat, I love the throwback. It's awesome. That's all kinds of awesome. I love it. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> this is a way back machine here. Hopefully, I have a million dollar arm and not a five cent head, Jeff. <laughs> Depends on who you ask, I guess. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> All right. Luke Easterling from the Draft Wire and also Bucks Wire, right, Luke? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Love like, the double duty, man. How you like life here in Tampa? I mean, it's it's mostly all I know outside yeah. of a few months in Georgia when I was a kid and uh, a few months in Kentucky playing NAIA Bowl. That was a uh, quite a life lesson. Um, I'm still yeah, threatening. I've, I've, we I've been here. Too. Been here, man. So, um I hate the hate the heat. Love the thunderstorms. Yeah. Uh, love actual authentic Cuban sandwiches. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's home. I'd like to try a lot of other places, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is home. The real Cubans too. Don't let them fool you in Miami, right? Oh, come on. If, if you know, you know. Yeah. Come on. Right. All right. I keep threatening that we're going to go out for a drink, and we absolutely have to do it. I'm up. I think probably probably a little north of you, but uh, we definitely got to get together and. Uh, Get away, because I'm because I'm north side of Tampa. We should have uh, absolutely, man. Same here. Yeah, I'm about I'm I'm a little north. Okay, okay, cool, cool. We won't we won't turn on the radar for the for the the fans yet. But let's get into it. A lot of stuff to talk about here. I, I you know since we haven't talked in a little bit, I would love to start out with the the Luke Easterling look back at the Lions 2022 draft. And I've I've heard. I mean, let's face it, mostly good things. Um, there's been some pieces along the way where people haven't had a, a kind of good overall sense, but I'm wondering where does Luke sit with the lions draft this year? I mean, I, I like it. Uh, I think that, you know, when you're sitting at two and you're getting a guy that 
you, you know, that most people expected would have gone one until probably what the last day or so. Right. Um, you know, when, when you start with that, you're doing pretty well. Um, you know, a guy in Hutchinson who, you know, whether or not he has the ceiling of a couple of other guys in that class or not, you're probably getting the most pro ready, you know, defender, maybe pro, maybe most pro ready player in the class. Right. And you're talking about a guy who we thought he was a first round of the year before. Right. But you know, the, there's so many cautionary tales about guys going back to school and not coming. I call it the Matt Barkley rule, right? You, you have a chance and quarterbacks are different, but you know, going back to school, I think is just as risky sometimes, if not more than, than going ahead and maybe striking while the iron's hot. Hutchinson is obviously a, a poster boy for doing that, right. And in, in doing it and, and accomplishing what you're supposed to, when that happens, right. You're supposed to go back. You're supposed to become a more refined player. You're supposed to prove something you haven't yet. And I think what he proved is that he can be, that dominant player that can take over a game on his own. Not only can he do that, he can do it on the biggest stage, right? That Ohio state game was, was his game, right? That the identity of that program and, and, and really just defined that entire senior class really to be able to win that game. So those are the things you want to see from a guy you're taking number two, right? I mean, that's the idea. If you're picking top three or four, you want a guy you think can, can be that special. And I think he showed enough of that uh, to make sense, but, Man, there's there's a lot of other things to like about this class. Obviously, I love the trade up to get uh, to get Williams in part because I think the cost was really really low uh, compared to to maybe some past years. But um, and and to do it with a division rival, I thought that was surprising. But I mean, if if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt, he's the guy at eight for Atlanta. I think no question, he's the best receiver in this class. Period. I think without. Um, without that injury. So if you're, as long as you're patient and you're willing to wait till he gets back to full strength. And again, I think some of the other moves they've made and the other guys they have on the roster should allow him to allow them to do that. I, I like Amon Ross St. Brown a lot. Um, I like Quintess Cephas a good bit and DJ Chark bringing him in in free agency. That gives you the opportunity to, to not have to force Williams in b- before he's ready. Right. So um, I like Kirby Joseph. I think I like Kirby Joseph a good bit more than Risden does, but you know, he's, he, if I remember correctly, Jeff, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, uh, he, Ooh. you know, it was good, good value, good value, good need. I still think they need another safety. Um, but you know, I, I, I liked the value there. And, and if you look, really across the board on their day three picks. I think there's some special teams value yeah. and some upside. I, I'm there. worried about Kirby. Yeah. Um, my issue with, with, with Joseph was more of, he was like kind of like a one-year wonder at a lower tier big 10 program. But I mean, dude played high school volleyball. You know, he's got a sign of approval for me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Riz having a little bit of internet trouble there, folks. Just, just bear with, we got him. Um, let me ask you about um, – so we've got, we've got these these new players. We've got these new offensive weapons. Um, spending a lot on offense this year. Jared Goff, um, we just played before you joined. Uh, a quote from 2016 where he said with – he promises with all his heart and soul that he's going to fix the team. Right. Uh, this last year, you know, that was a four-win season. This last year, we had a three-win season. And the um, – the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> it's always – do I need to go put on like an ACDC shirt or something? I feel like I should. <laughs> Everything's Riz's fault. Do it. Uh, <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right. I'll, fi- I'll fix it. My lower third says Jeff Riz, and yeah. I need to be playing some Van Halen in the background, I think. Uh, I have to fix that. <laughs> there. We'll just make that go away. Okay. All right. <laughs> my, so, my, my, uh, my internet's a little wonky, so I'm going videoless. So y'all know what I look like. Fuck it. 
<laughs> so the, the this the situation is you got the guy who you know four wins in uh, his first year as a rookie, three wins this year. Brad Holmes, both places, doing his piece of the work, doing more work here in Detroit, um, makes a significant investment in the pieces around golf. Um, got we have effectively what's probably a top five offensive line in the league when they're all healthy. What does this do for golf? And maybe we should talk about your 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 QB creds before we we start diving into golf, just to kind of put a little bit into there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much I don't know how much QB credit I have. I have uh, I'm the all time leading passer at two high schools that went defunct. So I don't know if that says something nice about me or the fact that I'm a program killer. I, I don't I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know I, I love evaluating quarterbacks. I, I I think it's fun to do in retrospect, having played you know, having played in high school and played a little and not very well at the, one of the lowest levels of college football, you can did a lot to teach me. First of all, it humbled me quite a bit. And second of all, teaches you a lot about what it takes to succeed. And honestly, what it takes to suck at the highest level. Um, And I think that's an important thing to remember is, you know, when we're criticizing these guys, it's not that we're saying they can't play, but when you're comparing them to the best, when you're comparing them to what it looks like to play really, really well, you got to have to draw some lines, right? So, it's it, it's fun to evaluate the position because it's it's fun for me to look back and see, wow, I just never was going to make it. I really was, you know, I, I wasn't able to do that. I was never going to be able to to commit to that, to be good enough, you know, to put the work in to be good enough to do that because there's just some things about playing this position are just ridiculous, man. And so it's fun to fun to break down tape of the position and be like, wow, I wish I could have been that. Guy. I wish I could have been <laughs> that tall and have that arm and do those things, but. But I, I, it's probably the position I have the most fun with because I am sometimes just in awe of what these guys are able to do, both mentally and physically, in the way they play this position. Um, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. But in terms of golf, it's going to be interesting because honestly, looking up and down this roster, man, I think this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, obviously, whether or not that translates to wins and losses, there's a lot of variables there. But like you said, you, you like the offensive line. You've got, I think, one of the most versatile, explosive running back, young running backs in the league and DeAndre Swift. Um, you got fun, explosive wide receivers that can make plays. You got one of the better tight ends in the game who's still young and Hawkinson. Um, you have a defense that I think we don't know enough about yet, but it's really young. So you're hoping that we're going to find out good things, right? You still got a lot of potential, a lot of upside really at every level because of what they've invested in, in, in that defense over the last couple of years. So I don't know, man, when I look at teams that I expect to be picking early next year, you look at Atlanta, you look at Houston, you look at some of these rosters that look really bad. They just don't look like good football teams this year. I don't feel like the Lions are one of those teams. And I, again, I don't think, I think a bounce here and a bounce there, they they have a chance to be much more competitive than we saw last year. And and again, I think there are, there are enough playmakers, there's enough protection there, and hopefully enough help from the defense to where Jared Goff can can be the guy like you guys mentioned earlier, those that playoff run and that Super Bowl run over those two years, you know, he didn't have to he didn't have to win every game. He didn't have to to set the world on fire and, and go out and and like you said, tow them to those victories. He just had to play his game, stay stay within the scheme and, and not mess up too much. And and he did a really good job of doing that. So if he can do that, I don't know if we're talking about them taking a quarterback early next year. And I think they would love that to be the case, obviously. Um because, you know, while, while there might be some great talent in that class, 
we've we learned last year maybe there's not right, you know this right. this time of year is not the time to be hanging your hat on that and it's funny to me when people say oh you know they'll just wait for next year they just, we don't, what do you mean that doesn't <laughs> if, if you're banking on that that far in advance i i think you're setting yourself up for failure so obviously the hope is that that he can be the guy and they put enough around him to be successful do you think we've seen best the best jared goff we're gonna see I mean, the, the only thing I might say that, that maybe is because uh, that Rams team was really, really good. And that, John McVay was really, really good. That so Rams you, KC game was just off the hook, man. Yeah. That you was. know, so maybe that's the best. But why, you know, can he do that in Detroit? And, and we see more of that. I mean, obviously, that's the hope for Lions fans. And you hope that even though you don't have Sean McVay there and that's not what's going on, is that, that you have the talent. And I don't, I don't see why they can't. Again, I, I love the weapons he, he has. I, I think he's got different types of guys that can make different types of plays at every level, and you want to be able to do that. They're, they're not an offense that I think would have to be a one-trick pony. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't see any reason why he can't be that guy if the rest of those guys continue to develop the way we think they can. Let me ask you about uh, Josh Pascal. Uh, uh, there's a lot of, when we look at some of the things, he seemed to fall a lot farther than he should have. As far as some of the it, to to to, ca- to a, a casual Lions fan will say, uh, seemed to fall a, a lot further down the draft board than he should have. He has a lot of upside. It looks like, and especially when you have Hutchinson working on the other side, he's probably going to see a lot of one on ones. What do you think? How well do you think he fits, and how quickly do you think he's going to mature in this defense? Yeah, his his was a fun kind of stock watch, right? Because he yeah. felt like a guy who didn't get any press whatsoever yeah. until like two weeks before the draft. And then he becomes like, oh, man, he could be top 20. And then we're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And then he ends up, you know what, in the mid-second round, and we're talking about that's too low now. When like two weeks ago, people didn't have him in like two or three mock drafts, you know, two, three round mock drafts, and he's not there. Um, But man, when you, when you, he's the type of, people wonder like, how does a guy go up or down? That's not happening in the league. The league isn't jumping all over the place with like, now this is us in the media catching up to what everyone is learning about this guy. And then we're scrambling on the back end, like, Oh, what, what I miss? Okay. I got to go back and look, you know? And so, so you would go back and watch film and try to break down. Like, what am I missing? Why is, why is this guy not on my radar? And now all of a sudden it seems like the league is like, Oh yeah, of course that guy, where have you been for the last you know three months? Which again, that, that underscores a lot of the difference in the way the, the league does things, which is the versus the way the media, you inside know, all of us are inside. trying to always catch up with it. But, but yeah, Pascal's a fun player, man. And, and again, that, you start to look for you look for things at, at either end of the spectrum, right? It's what does this guy do that's special? You know, is there some kind of trump card, some kind of skill he has that's just beyond, you know, most people in the class or whatever like that? And then you look at the back end, like is there anything he can't do really well anywhere that will have to hide him in some way and not put him in certain situations? And while I don't know if there's some one of those elite traits that he has that really jumps off the table, I think when you go to the other end of the spectrum, I don't know that there's anything he does poorly. Um, I think he's he's going to be a, a very high floor guy and a very, again, all these cliches we've used for years and years and years. But he's a Dan Campbell kind of player, man. He's a high motor guy who, who will set the edge and do the dirty work. He's not just going to wait till third down and then go after the passer and try to rack up a bunch of sacks and, and, and be a flashy guy that way. He's going to do the dirty work on the early downs and, and play against the run. And, and he can tackle and he can do all those things that you want a guy to do. I think he's a very, very complete player. And like you said, while all the attention is going to be paid on the other side uh, to where Hutchinson is, if you're going to end up with that guy on one-on-ones, I think his, his ability to convert speed to power and, and rush the way you need to be able to rush in the NFL today, you can't just 
run around everybody like like yeah. I think you could do for maybe a year or two there before offensive linemen started starting adjusting to that. So you got to be able to rush with power and you've got to do it in a way that's technically sound. I think he can do that. And I, I think he, he could absolutely be a guy that is the second guy at his position group drafted by this team, but could easily have the same kind of impact. Yeah. Now, Riz, I know you're back and you're looking great. I, I, I'm on a roll, though. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> really quick, let me ask one more question, brother. My guess. <laughs> Riz, Riz is going to be the eye candy for the rest yeah, of this episode. Yeah. He's just going to stand I'll just drink my beer. And drink his beer. <laughs> let me ask you, because you talked a little bit about, um, and this was, this was a big one for Lions fans. There's a, This is a, a big divide in the fan base. And um, Malik Willis, so much of the press had him so high and, you know, top 10 pick all this oh he's the guy winds up going third round what was it 86 or something like that overall and it's the whole idea of where we draft him in the press versus where are the teams with all the information actually placing him and it, it effectively just about every team passed on him once or three times <laughs> once to three times before he got picked um, I called him Willis truthers because I didn't see it as far as you know the the folks that thought he should go for the for the Lions what do you think this guy's arc is over time? Because there's definitely the makings and the potential for a, a, a high quality NFL player there. And he's the kind of guy that could make someone, someone like me look like a fool, right? Saying there's no way, you know, his year of, of working behind somebody, he could really improve and suddenly be that, that guy, that Lamar, right? What do you think about Malik in the, in the big picture? Where do you think he winds up? I'll, I got a lot to say about Malik Willis, obviously, but, but one thing I think is interesting, and this is just kind of a hunch on my part. I've reached out to some people in the league who don't really want to talk about it. So maybe, maybe that's evidence that I'm right. Um, but I think I have a sneaking suspicion that it's not just a Malik Willis thing. Go look at the, where the rest of this quarterback class was drafted. Pickett goes 20. Nobody else goes until Ritter in the, in the, in the mid third. Right. I think that this was the entire league almost if not consciously colluding to to push back on the constant overdrafting of quarterbacks that we just have no clue what they are going to be or what they are. And they all finally said after years and years of having to, if you have a third round grade on a guy, you better take him in the early second. He's just not going to be there. We just got to just got to go. I think maybe finally the league as a whole was just like, you know what? No. Not anymore. Not this year. We're not going to keep doing that over and over and over and over again. And so when you got to, because again, you have that huge gap so that finally by the third round, when all those other quarterbacks are there, finally you had some teams being like, okay, I'll take him here. And if he turns out to be worthy of a first round pick, I look like a genius. And if he doesn't, we burned a, a mid to late third and nobody's, nobody's getting fired for that. Right. So that's my hunch that, that the reason we saw the, the quarterback class stacked the way it was compared to where us and the media and a lot of us expected these guys to go, because again, we've been doing this for 22 years, 23 years. This is what happens. You have a guy that'd be like, eh, yeah, if he played another position, he's probably a second or third round pick, but he doesn't. He plays the only position that matters in this game. If you want to win a yeah. Super Bowl. So you have to take him in the top 20. That's the way this works. And so that's the way I think we all approached this process because that's really all we've seen for the last couple of decades. And I think the league, the joke was on us. I think the league was finally like, you know what? We're not doing this crap anymore. We're not, we're not doing it. So from, from Malik's perspective, first of all, I think he ended up in a very perfect situation. No, no pressure, no expectations. He's on an offense that has Tannehill for at least a year, probably two with the dead cap hit you would take to get rid of him. You're in a run heavy offense that loves to, to work off that with play action and take deep shots down the field. I mean, I think I said all along that his ceiling is Russell Wilson. 
And that's because I think he's a very similar player. He's very smart, rocket arm, short, but not small. He's a thick guy who's physical and can take a beating if he's going to have to run. He's got all of those traits. And if you're in an offense that, again, is going to take those play action deep shots, you're not just going to have him throwing all the time and you're run heavy and keeping the box full, which obviously is easier said than done when you have, you know, Derrick Henry, not everybody has that, but, but maybe he will for a while. You know, I think it's a, it's a great fit for him. Uh, and I think he, he's probably in a situation where it's, it's most beneficial to his development because, again, no pressure. He's going to be able to, to adjust the things that we saw on tape from him that, that concerned us. You know, the ability to the, the struggles against Ole Miss, particularly against cover four and those quarters coverages where he just didn't like not having a lot of, of room deep to go. Um, you know, he'll have a year or two to iron those things out in practice and, and against NFL talent before he's, he's thrown to the wolves. And again, in a scheme that doesn't expect him to throw the ball 50, 60 times every week. I like his ceiling and I like his chances of hitting it in Tennessee because of the fit there. Um, but yeah, just just a, an interesting year for the quarterbacks and the way they came off the board. So my, my thought on that is for, for as much as we've been talking about, it, Luke, you, you, you do this draft for a living. I've been doing it for a long time as well. A lot of us who do this were like, this quarterback class sucks. Um, and we were very, genuinely surprised that the NFL agreed with us. Agreed with I think us. Yes. We got to give the NFL a little bit of credit for, uh, for I, don't think, I don't think they needed to listen to us on that. I think it was pretty readily evident if you watch tape on these guys that none of them were what you want in a first round pick with the possible exception of Pickett and he has some drawbacks of his own and they they did that um, right and but it, after after we're, we have trauma though Jeff because of years of EJ Manuels and Jim oh, Druckenmillers and all these like well he's the oh best my god Jim Drucken, I forgot about Jim Druckenmiller <laughs> yeah wow you're welcome yeah, yeah that's, but that's that's a really really great point though because that's when we talked about Willis we talked about you know, oh well, last year he'd have been he'd have been a third round quarterback. He'd have been a third round pick. I mean, I remember that exact conversation happening. Chris, we had five quarterbacks in the top fifteen last year. The sixth quarterback in this draft came off the board, I think, in the seventh round. Yeah, yeah. If not, if not, I think maybe we had six before the seventh round. But it's just it's ridiculous. I really, I really like that 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 idea that that's that the NFL kind of grew up a little bit because yeah, you need a quarterback to win. But if he's not there, he's not there. And that's wasted value. Again, this is where I was on, on the Lions taking Malik. You take him at two and you need two years for him to get together. You've just wasted a ton of value, half his contract. I mean, why why do that if that's the position you need? Get something of value. Get a player that makes an impact now and get your quarterback next year if you have to. I mean, for the Lions particularly, they had such a dearth of talent across the roster that it didn't make sense to spend it in bad places. So well, and, and just an interesting aside on that, a similar perspective, take the bucks, for instance, who spent their second round pick a late second last year on Kyle Trask. And the hope was that he wouldn't play, right? Yeah. You don't want him to see the field, hopefully as long as possible. They right. will, they'll ride Tom Brady until he he's 50 if they want to. So they would much rather have that and have wasted that pick. The problem with that is like you said, though, Tom Brady's going to go through this season. It's probably going to be his last one. I think the Bucs have to prepare in, in expectation of that. But like you said, second round pick, half his rookie contract is over. Yeah. And again, you're going into a training camp where last year he didn't, he wasn't, Trask was not active at all at any game because you had Gabbert who knew the offense, who's a veteran who maybe can hold the ship together if something happens to Brady. You're going to do that again this year. So you picked a second round pick who's not going to touch the field for two years, all while. Last year, you get beat by the Rams in the playoffs with all the injuries you had at receiver, all the injuries you had in the secondary. You're thinking maybe a second-round pick might have helped. 
Um, There's a lot of Bucks fans who agree with that. So again, to your point, like you said, if you're taking a guy thinking that maybe in two years, he'll be the guy be like, yeah, but how many other guys are you not going to take? Because you're waiting for that guy. When in two years, you might have a guy, you might be in position to get a guy who's better than that anyway. So it's just, yeah, it's, I didn't see the fit for them there. Um, Like you said, maybe if he gets down to the bottom of the round, which obviously they, they made the trade that they did, but yeah, just, it's such an interesting position to follow how it works and, and how, how it's valued. Yep. But I thought, I thought that this year's class was kind of a, a moratorium from the league on, on overpaying for those guys in the draft. It's, you know, it's uh, it, Tom Brady's going to be riding a rascal scooter in the backfield and scramble just as fast as he does today because they've got no other real options back there. And he'll just take the money all day. It's, it, it is interesting though. I mean, it's like buying a house in 2008, right? Don't don't do it. You're, you're, you're spending way, way too much. Hold off for a year or two and you're going to get a lot more value and a lot more house and you're going to be a happy longer time in that in that place. So there you go. All right. Uh, Riz, you got another one, I'm sure. I, I, yeah, I um, so I'll, I'll just go along with that. The, the Lions didn't take a developmental quarterback on day three, which I think a lot of people who weren't necessarily on the Willis campaign, but were like, oh, let's get a quarterback in here. Let's find somebody who's better than Tim Boyle and David Blau, and you can find that down at your local pool. And they didn't do that. Um, was there anybody like late, like sixth, seventh round, or even as an undrafted free agent, they didn't sign any of those either that w- you would have made sense for you to sign to Detroit? No. <laughs> All right. I, I love it. I love yeah, the answer. This quarterback class fell off a cliff, man. I mean, it was, it was, I was honestly, and again, I was proud to see the NFL. It was like Carson Strong. They're like, yeah, you know, I just don't. No, no, it's not with his knee. Let's not, let's not do that. But they, they did. I think honestly, it started to, by the time you got to the third round, it was like, okay, this is getting a little ridiculous. I, I would have spent a second on Ritter. I would have spent a second on, on Willis if he was there. And you get to the fifth before Howell comes off the board. I'm like, I would have taken him obviously long before that. But again, after Howell, nothing I probably would have drafted. I would have taken maybe any of those top five guys in the top two or three rounds. I wouldn't have taken anybody after that. So I don't think they missed out on anything there. Good to know. All right. Good. So go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think, okay, so... They, they were they were they were good boys this year and girls in their picks. Are they looking to next year? What does next year look like for quarterbacks? And it's the way too early yeah. preview, right? I mean, we haven't even seen this year's quarterbacks in training camp, but teams like the Lions, it's it's make it or break it for Jared. They're going to need year. a quarterback at some point because technically all three quarterbacks could be gone after this year. They're going to need not just a possible replacement for Jared Goff, but again, they need somebody better than than Tim Boyle and David Blau. And like, it's not hard to find those guys, but they're apparently not looking. Let, let's let, where are they going to look? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting class. Um, I think that C.J. Stroud is clearly the number one guy for me. He's the guy that I look at and say, okay, now we have a number one pick in, in this. Definitely, class. I'm totally with you, Bryce Young. Maybe, maybe again, he's the type of guy he's smaller um, and, and small, small. He's, you know, six foot one ninety five. He's not Malik Willis. Malik Willis. He's not even that (laughs) six is six one. He's two twenty. Right. It's there's a big difference there. So, you know, you're taking a guy who's playing behind Alabama's offensive line with Alabama's playmakers. The question we always have about their quarterbacks. Right. So, you know, can he hold up or can he put on some weight and 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 be thick enough to hold up in, in the pocket if it's not going to hold up for him? Um, that's what I want to see. Obviously, as a thrower, as, as an actual player of the position, I, I think Bryce Young has 
pretty much everything that makes CJ Stroud exciting. CJ Stroud just actually has the frame. And, and I think maybe the, what I hate to say, which he looks the part, right. He's got that, that body type that we look at and we say that's quarterback. Um, there are some reasons why we say that from a, from a, a durability standpoint, Bryce young is a, an extremely good player. I, I hope he can be that player at the next level. I would love to see that. Um, after that, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I mean, there there's are probably, so many variables. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have a list of guys who are like, well, he could be good. Like he could be a first rounder or he could be a guy that we're talking about transferring away. Like, like, like uh, Spencer Rattler a year ago at this time, who was possible number one pick. And now, I mean, he could be that he could come out next year. He, he will be draft eligible. Let's see what happens with that. But yeah, there, there's a lot of like um, uh, Yurkovich is one. Um, will Levis, get your, your early thoughts on Will Levis. Cause I know he's a guy that has a lot of popularity with some Lions fans. That's, I mean, that's the thing, man. I could probably give you five or six names, and Levis is obviously one of them. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, Anthony Richardson from Florida, Cam Ward from yep. Washington State, who I know you and I have talked about a little bit. Yep. Um, there's, there's something for everybody if you like the upside, if you want to bank on what they could be. And I think, again, Will Levis has some intriguing traits, and, and you're hoping that we're, we're going to see him against the SEC, right? You're going to see him against SEC talent, SEC defenses, and you're seeing him – at a school that's not normally dominating that conference, right? You're going to see him with Kentucky, you know, supporting cast and Kentucky against Alabama and against LSU and maybe against some of those other teams. So that's going to be a great way to see what he has. I just got to see it consistently. And again, that's going to be, that's going to be the theme for a lot of these guys. Anthony Richardson, you go look at the tape, the highs are really high and he looks really special at certain times. And there's other throws where you're just like, what is happening and and what uh, can you actually do this on a consistent level? So you know, anything specific on any of these guys is hard to nail down. And you mentioned Rattler, which is just and, and Howell, I would put in that same conversation, right? Because you go back and look at our, all of the mock drafts from May of last year and it's Howell, Rattler, Rattler, Howell, right? One, two, every single time. So we get Rattler trans, gets benched halfway through the season in the biggest game of the year and transfers away. Howell's a fifth round pick. It's just there's so much opportunity for these guys to go up or down. And at that position, I think it's as involuntary as, or, or uh, as volatile as, as any. Um, but yeah, it's going to be all over the place. Jaron Hall from BYU. I like him a good bit. Devin Leary from North Carolina state. There's just, there's again, there's, there's CJ Stroud is in his, his own category for me. I think Bryce young is the clear cut number two, definitely below him, but definitely ahead of literally maybe 10 other guys that could move and, and stack the rest of that group uh, in any order. And I would be like, okay, that makes sense. But it, again, that's, that's again, more cliches, but that's why they play the games. This season is going to have so much to do with whether or not those guys end up being in that conversation. And we end up having a five, six quarterback first round, like we've had before, or we end up with one where one goes number one, another one maybe goes in the top five and we don't see another one till day two. What do you think? What effect do you think the, um, the, the kind of realignment of the NCAA is going to have on evaluating talent, even beyond the NIL stuff. Do you think, cause it seems like it's going to like a power two set of conferences and that's going to be the end of the, the story there. And a lot of smaller schools may not get the visibility um, or the airtime to show off some of the players they have. I mean, in terms of evaluation, I, I don't know, especially if you're talking about quarterbacks, maybe it's, maybe it's going to be challenging because, they're jumping from offense to offense and you're not getting to stay in the same organization and, and develop that way. And maybe that makes it challenging, but maybe that proves that they can do that because in the NFL, 
that's going to happen anyway. You're going to have a coach that's fired and you're, you have quarterbacks that have been in the league four or five years with four or five different offensive coordinators already. So maybe that gets them used to it. Maybe that helps. I don't know. But in terms of the college, the greater college football landscape, it's absolutely stupid. First of all, <laughs> one, one of two things needs to happen or needed to happen since obviously nothing that actually makes sense is going to end up happening. Um, it's that, and something that frustrates me about the NCAA is that they have, they have, you know, phenomenal cosmic power, as Jeannie would say in Aladdin. Um, but they, they are very selective with how they, they use it. So they will be in certain situations and sometimes the dumbest situation, like we are the arbiter of all things. We will take away your Heisman trophy and penalize you for giving your parents rent money. And uh, you know, that's it. That's the end of it. We take away all your points um, when they want to. But when the when the sport itself actually needs a governing body to govern it effectively, i.e. stop letting everyone just change conferences and go wherever they want all the time and actually step in and say, uh-uh, everybody time out. You're all being stupid. Let's figure this out in a way that makes sense. My dad and I have always talked for years about doing this, doing something where we sit down and we have a map and we're like, OK, we are going to reconference everyone <laughs> And you're going to be in a conference that makes sense. And we're going to tell you where to go. And that's just the way it's going to be. If they're not going to do that and not going to have geographic conferences that actually make sense and preserve some of those rivalries and preserve so much about, I think, what we enjoy about college football, regardless of the NIL stuff, then it then it honestly, it should be it should be like soccer. It should be like Premier League soccer, where you have the Premier League and you have League One, you have League Two and you have relegation and you have promotion yep. Yep. and you have that type of, you know, there is no more Power Five, but there's the Power One where everybody's up here playing for the national championship. And you know what? If you finish in the bottom two, you drop down to the next level and Cincinnati and whoever that's in the next level, they get to come up and compete next year. They got to do something like that. Neither of those things will happen because they actually make sense. The NCAA is literally just going to let them do whatever they want. And God bless whoever's trying at EA sports to make a college football video game for next year, because they are probably just like, they're going through so many laptops right now. I'm, I'm sure just smashing them against the wall. Every time someone decides after they've done all their graphics packages and after they've done all the logos on the fields for all the conferences to be like, just kidding. I know we're USC, uh, but we're actually in the big 10 now, which has 68 teams, very big 10. The 10 yeah. is very, yeah. very big. It's 10 times seven. It's great. Oh, you see the shining sea. Yeah. Jeez, man, it's so stupid. Imagine, imagine being like the, the one that gets me. And it's maybe because I played volleyball, you know, I, and I, I follow other sports. Like imagine you're a track athlete at USC and you've got to fly for a meet in Rutgers in New Jersey on Tuesday and then you have a Friday meet in in Nebraska, and then you're at home, and you've got classes going on. Like it's it's completely untenable. They need to split football off from the rest of it, make football an independent conference thing. But the rest of the conferences go back to you know basketball, baseball, hockey. All that's where your conference is. That's where the Big Ten is. What it, what it is now, and let football go away. Strip football from from the NCAA. They can be outside of that. Yep, it solves your Title IX problems, so you'll actually have some growth in some men's sports that are, you know, the Olympic sports because uh, Title IX has unfortunately killed that because of football. That there isn't a female sport that takes eighty-five roster spots. There just isn't, and uh, I, I, I hope that that's the solution that eventually comes to it. But uh, again, like you said, Luke, that makes too much sense. It's not going to happen. No, I don't trust the NCAA to do anything that makes sense. So no, God, it's frustrating. 
Yeah, Ugh. it's I, and and I hate to be that guy, that old you know old man Jones down the street. It used to be a heck of a lot better than it is today, but it really used to be a heck of a lot better than it is today. I, I well, enjoyed again, the Chris, rivalries in the. It's important to have context for why that is, and pull out the things that are valuable and say this should be preserved, and here is why, mm-hmm. and this should not be preserved. This should actually change, and this is why because this is helpful. So. Again, the conference thing is stupid and ridiculous and should not happen. The NIL stuff should absolutely happen and the players should absolutely be able to make money. And and these athletes should be able to make money, especially off their own names and likenesses and things. There is a way, probably multiple ways to do all of those things, to preserve things about the sport that are actually intrinsically valuable that Again, those of us who have been watching it and people, you know, older than us who have been watching it much longer would be like, you know, I feel like the sport is losing some of those things. There are some things like that that are worth preserving. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that it has to include making sure that the players don't get paid anymore because it makes you feel better for some reason. I don't really care, frankly. You know, there's a way to do the things that make sense. But again, it it requires context. It requires paying attention to those those details and those variables. And again, I. The NCAA has proven time and time again that that is not something they are interested in, and I don't think we should ever have faith that that will change. The one thing that no one is talking about and that should be improved, much less preserved, is the educational aspect for football players. Because, I mean, we all smile when we talk about it, right, and and, and the courses and some of the things that go on. But for God's sake, these guys are coming in, and a lot of guys that would never make it to college at all – if it wasn't for sports, this is a chance to get guys that aren't going to make it to the next level, a real education, something that they can do with themselves. And they're putting on the line for a school. They're not, you know, they're probably not making a whole lot of NIL money. They're not going to make it because it's the guys making the NIL money are the guys that are going to make money at the next level. Right. So here's yeah, for these the guys part, yeah. still that are left behind that are walking out with maybe a piece of paper, but maybe not the rest of the creds to go with it. And that's something I would love to see somebody somewhere actually make a priority for these players. And when you, to, to Riz's point, when you're going from, you know, Maryland to Florida to USC out in California, where does school fit in with that? It, 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 it doesn't. And you've, you've really pulled the school part and the student out of the student athlete. And it sounds kind of dumb as a sports fan, but we're cheating a lot of kids, I think. And, and those kids at the bottom half of the roster are the ones that are just being used and tossed aside. And I think that's the, those are the guys that really deserve a heck of a lot more. So. Yeah, you're not going to get much argument on that for me. I think the only thing I might say in that regard is that it must be very different depending on where you are. Um, because I went to USF and USF was Go pretty Bulls. good. USF was pretty good when I was there. This yeah. was, you know, peak Jim Levitt era, mid 2000s when they were top 25. They were number two that one year uh, when they got beat by Rutgers. They got upset uh, by Shiano's Rutgers. But they I mean, they had a pretty good stretch there. So they were they were not a blue blood program. Obviously, they started in 97, but they got really good really fast. Um, so so back in that time when I was in school, I remember being on uh, on the little bus that goes around in, in school. And I was talking to one of the, the guys who's starting offensive tackle for USF. And I just kind of like we were just talking about his schedule and what what his day looks like. And he's just like he's explaining to me class and, and the study groups and all these different things. So he, like, clearly somebody who's a very key member of the football team, but is obviously spending a lot of time on education as well and getting what I think is, is his, you know, getting what it's worth. Right. Mm-hmm. 
but I asked him at the end of the call, I was like, how, how are you doing that physically? Like you just told me like 38 hours worth of things you're doing in a, in a 24 hour space. And he literally, I'll never forget his look on his face. He was just like, uh, I don't know. I gen- like, I have no idea how we're doing that. So, so I, I, I agree with you. I think a, it's, it's very different program to program. And depending on maybe who you are, like you said, as a player and the expectations versus what you're expected to do, if you're not one of those headline type guys, um, but also let's maybe not make it a process that, that has to kill these guys that, yeah. that has to make them, you know, not look back fondly on this time because they literally don't know how they did 38 hours worth of stuff. Cause honestly, I don't think you have to, to be quite honest, it, there's, there's so much. And again, we, we go in a million different tangents here, but there's, you know, there's a lot of things about a lot of industries, a lot of sports that probably could be changed for the better. And I think we starting to see maybe some, some coaches here and there, understanding that maybe, you know, I don't have to be here till three in the morning. Yeah. I probably don't have to do, you know, we don't probably don't have to run these student athletes into the ground in order to win football games on Saturdays. We could probably give them a little slack, probably let them have a life a little bit, make them, let them make a little money, you know, at the car dealership and, and get a free car here and there because yeah. they, they play for the guys, alma mater, you know, we probably don't, that's not going to hurt nobody. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I, I do hope that, I do think there's a way to do it all and to do it in a way that benefits the, the schools and the institutions and the programs, and they can keep doing the sport that everybody loves to the, to the degree that everybody would love to see it, but also making sure, like you said, in every way that the, that the student athletes are getting the value out of that, but also leaving school, not feeling like, geez, what the hell just happened and, and not being able to really remember anything because it was so hard. All right. Let me move. Let me move to the next question. Get back to the Lions here really quick. That's a good conversation. There's a lot. Say, yeah, there's there's a, a lot to talk about there. Entire but, pod within the pod. There. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good, though. I liked it. Um, what are some of the options, the big options, some of the moves you see the Lions making next year with with the draft, with maybe a little bit of free agency? Let's say Jared Goff has an eight. Nate, eight and eight. God, what is this? Nineteen seventy. Eight and nine. Thank you. Nine and eight. You yeah. got to be five hundred. Yeah. Got to be above five hundred. There so, is no five hundred. Somewhere, Jeff, somewhere, Jeff Fisher is like. I got it. Eight, yes. eight, eight and one. <laughs> they have an eight, eight and one year. Um, well, what what's some of the big options? Some of the big moves you see the Lions making? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't done a ton of work on free agents yet. Um, Obviously, from a, a Bucks perspective, I have an idea, but in terms of the rest of the league, I, I don't even really have a good grasp on who's likely to be there. Again, a lot of those guys get franchised. A lot of those guys are going to get extensions. There will there will be guys that come out of the woodwork. We didn't expect to be traded or not picked up. You know, there's so much is going to change in terms of what they need. Honestly, like I said earlier, I really like the roster at the top. I, I think every starting position I'm thinking, eh, you know, how much of an upgrade can you conceivably have over what I think this guy can be this year upcoming? Obviously there's some development that you're right. hoping to see from, from some positions, but you're thinking if I look at this team, I think they need, I think they need a safety who can change the game. I think they need a safety who can be what honestly today's NFL really need. You got to have one of those guys, right? In, in Tampa, Todd Bowles defense really wants both of them, right? He wants interchangeable free. There's no free or strong safety. You can do everything in the box that you can do, up top and gives you the versatility to roll coverages however you want and blitz guys so that you're not telling anything pre-snap. I don't think that guy is on the Lions roster right now. And I think that there are a lot of really nice safeties in the draft class next year that could fit that either at the end of the first 
to, you know, early second round with the, the Rams pick that they have in that, that second rounder that we assume will be fairly early. Um, that'll be a good spot for them to get that guy. And I think they, they could use a similar guy, at linebacker. I still really like Derek Barnes. I'd like to see him on the field a good bit more. Um, but I think that similar type of, you know, three down athletic physical guy, again, you, you want them to be able to do all these things. I know they don't grow on trees that way, but you know, it's, those playmakers at every level, I think, is, is what they need. I think they have that type of guy, maybe two of them in those edge rushers that we talked about earlier. I think they've got some young potential with the interior guys that they drafted last year in the, in the first couple rounds that there's some promise there. But, but finding that cornerstone guy at the second level and on the back end of that defense, obviously you hope Okuda can be that guy as corner, but maybe you need a shutdown corner. I think if you start piecing, putting those pieces in, in place on defense, I think it, it answers their biggest questions going into the year after. Good. I'm, I'm with you on that. And a playmaking safety, a guy like a Jesse Bates or somebody, somebody like that. And look how we transformed the Cincinnati defense. You know, you get, you get a guy like Tyron Matthews who can play all over the place. Obviously those guys really don't grow on trees, but there's, there's a couple guys that I'm looking at that could, could kind of be that guy. And uh, I'm with you. I like the early returns on the safety class from what I've seen. I think it's, I think that's a very smart area. Um, one, just one thing, quarterback is obviously going to be a focus. Uh, if Jared Goff doesn't get it done, we talked about the draft guys. There's going to be, we have learned in the last few years, you can get quarterbacks, not from the draft. We saw one today, Baker Mayfield, the number one pick in the 2018 draft got traded to Carolina. The number two pick from that draft is also on Carolina. They're both being paid $18.9 million guaranteed fully this year. To play for the team that they didn't get drafted by and compete yes. against one another. It's awesome. <laughs> on a team that also traded up to draft Matt Corral. Uh, there's going to be like guys shake free. You know, Matt Ryan is in Indianapolis now. Who would have thought that would happen? Russell Wilson yeah. is like, do you think that it's worth being patient like – can you find somebody that's going to be better than Jared Goff? Maybe shake out of a tree, or is that is that like wishing too much? I think I think the best you could get is is what they hope Goff can be this year, right? I think if if okay. I don't think that a guy better than that becomes available, and if it is, it's something ridiculous, right? Something like obviously the Deshaun Watson situation is unique in a lot of ways, but that type of blockbuster. This guy is in his prime, and he doesn't want to resign here. You know, what if is it Kyler Murray if he doesn't get a new deal, right? If he would, you know, if is that the trade that you make that that type of big move for? Now, this team and this, you know, these decision makers don't necessarily feel like the type of guys who are going to sell the farm for Kyler Murray necessarily in terms of trading away draft picks and all that stuff. But I mean, I I don't see it. I, I think that even if golf is really not the guy this year, if it, if it turns out like, okay, it just didn't work out. I, I think they're much better off going into this draft again, assuming we at least have a couple at the top that, that are worthy. I just, I don't know who I would see shaking free from somewhere else that would, that would make me confident. Like he's that much better than Jared Goff that it's worth me restarting at this position and not having a guy, at least as a, as a, as a veteran, an experienced guy who's had two years in the system I'd rather just roll with that guy and reload the roster elsewhere again, as opposed to, you know, because again, you talk about Baker Mayfield, we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. That type of guy is the guy that probably shakes free, right? Yes. And is that yeah. going to be any better than, than even like, you know, if Jared Goff is who we say he is already, right? If the, if the best we've seen is who he's going to be, I don't think you're getting any better than that elsewhere, unless you're just going to go ahead and, and try to hit a home run in the draft. 
by that. I don't disagree. I, I'm with you on that. So, you know, because I, I know there's a lot of people with inst- like the first reaction from a lot of Lions fans was on the radio today. Let's go get Sam Darnold. Like, no, no, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, but why? <laughs> I got 18 million. 18.9 million for a backup when you're paying your starter 31. And I mean, we Bucks fans were kind of the same thing. They're like, oh, just, just why not? Why not? So, well, I mean, there's 20 million reasons why not, but. I, you know, just don't. And it's again, it's not really about Baker or or Darnold as a player as much as the money right now. But what do you what are you doing to your offense? Right. By, by making that move. I just don't I don't see it, man. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Good yeah. Deal. All right. Luke Easterling. Draft wire. Bucks wire. All the great real quick. You have a mock draft that dropped. Who do you have going to the Lions? I do. I, I made sure I switched it up because I noticed that you liked the Cam Ward pick. Last time. <laughs> it was very interesting to me. So I gave him Richardson this time. I gave him Anthony Richardson this time because I like, again, some of this, it's not, none of this is set in stone. I, I try right. to mix things up as much as I can because it's each new mock draft should be an opportunity for fans to go, oh, I've never heard of that guy. Let me watch him. Or, oh, I've never seen that guy to my team. I wonder how that would fit. That's the whole point, especially this early in the draft. Yeah. I always say that the only mock draft I ever try to get right is the last one. Does that yes. stop me from writing one pretty much every week the whole rest of the year? Of course not, because they're fun. And sometimes it's just okay to do fun things for fun. So I've got them getting Anthony Richardson. I think he could be, again, at, at his ceiling, a really, really fun quarterback prospect to develop. Um, and then after that, I, I think I had the same guy I had going last time, though, Joey Porter Jr., the corner from Penn State. Uh, obviously, if you're drafting a defensive player whose dad is Joey Porter, um, you kind of know what you're getting. And if you're getting that type of player at corner, I mean, that size and that length, that physicality. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, he's going to be a mean dude out there at the corner and, and has that confidence, that ability, but also the physical traits to, to back it up and maybe be that shutdown number one guy that they need out there on the outside. I, I love your philosophy about mock drafts. Do I try to do the same? Uh, like, like you said, the only one that really matters for accuracy is the last one. Yeah. I, that, that's something that I think fans don't understand that we're doing this more as a, a to, provoke, to, to provoke thought, to maybe change things up, or they are just fun to do. Like, I, I haven't done one yet for 2023. I'm kind of like, I, I should probably do one. Like, it might be fun. Yeah. And they force me to do it. Like, not only am I trying to generate conversation for everybody else, but like, it makes me do more work earlier you know it makes me get involved because if i get to a certain pick and you know this team doesn't really need anything but this position and i've already given away all the guys in this position that i've really watched at this point well guess what i get to go do more work i need to find another one i need to find the next guy and can that's how you build these databases of players so early in the process again we love what we do for a reason but it's because i think we we like to give the fans as many different angles to talk about and i remember this growing up being a Bucks fan, if they didn't draft the guy that I had convinced myself as a, as a young fan was was the guy I had to have, it, it ruined it. It made me upset. It disappointed me. And I didn't like that feeling, right? The draft is always supposed to be fun. So I feel like bringing as many different mock drafts and as many different options to fans as possible eliminates as much of that as possible because you've hopefully seen so many different people talk about why this guy would be fun to fit. If you've noticed on DraftWire, every year for the first round, we do an entire series on every pick in real time that says why this team's fans should be excited about this player. Because at the end of the day, he's your guy now. 
And you should be happy about what he brings to the table in a positive way. So I feel like mock drafts are a great opportunity to give fans going into the draft. Hopefully, if you if you follow what we do, we do it all year round. And you've had 11 months of I have about 15 different players that if we get him in this draft, I'll be happy with because I know why. Because I've already seen it, seen it explained, like how he fits with our team. And, I, and I'm cool with that. It's just so much more fun than going into it being like, if we don't get this guy. I'm going to be furious. There you go. <laughs> you need to be on a Detroit radio station when you say that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that'll go over real well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Luke, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Love having you on. And we Thanks, definitely, Luke. Thanks definitely for joining us. Together. Appreciate you, buddy. Anytime, guys. It's a lot of fun. Every time. Hit me up on All the right. uh, on the on the follows and uh, we'll DM a, a place to get together and have a drink. Have some fun. Thank we'll, you, yeah, man. We'll fix Sounds all the great. college problems. <laughs> all right, Luke. Have a good one, man. Thank you for joining us. Luke Easterling from the Draft Wire, one of USA Today's finest, just ahead of the Lions Wire. <laughs> Sorry to do that to you, Riz. Um Jeff's wife says, did you just have five of those glasses of beer? You know, they hold three beers. Jeff's like, so this, uh, this is an aquarium from the pub in Athens, Ohio, home of Ohio university. It holds 30 ounces. Um, and it was mostly full. Uh, I, I had two beers, uh, blue moons actually, um, enjoying a little summer beer. Cause I love coriander and, uh, that's my, that's my evening snack. <laughs> actually it's dinner because I got home from the radio station today and had to do this right away. So, Oof. uh, liquid dinner, drinking it. It's always the way to go. All right. Hey, thanks everyone for the chat for holding on for the, the porn ads. It's been great to have them join us. We'll look for more. Um, you got a good thing to do after the show's over. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh man. All right. Uh, let's get all the in- technology in the world. And they still managed to defeat that. That's in a way it's, it's, it's admirable, but it's also disgusting. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is, is what it is. I, I, I just love Luke. I, I love the way he explained first off, his college football thoughts are fantastic. Yeah. And I'm glad we had that discussion because that wasn't what we were slated to talk about, but it wound up being really good. And I appreciate that. But his, his explanation of why we do mock drafts and I'll let myself into the draft media here. It's not to piss you off. It's not to like mention every possible player that could get drafted. So we go, Oh, wait, I got it right on that one. Mock. That, that's not what we're doing. Or at least most people, that's not what we're doing. We're trying to make you think and trying to entertain you at the same time. Like, oh, maybe I should watch Washington State and look at their quarterback. Who's the safety from North Carolina that, that, that got projected? You're like, that, that, that's what it's all about. And that's I know Luke is earnest when he says that. And I know a lot of people who do it uh, go about it and mean it that way. Uh, and I, I, I hope that that gets appreciated by fans where it's not just, you know, we're – Oh, CJ Stroud or bust, or you know Bryce Young or bust. I mean, no, that's not that's not that's not how this works. I'm glad he elaborated on that. There you go. All right, all right. Oh, let's get into the next topic: uh, Lions spending on offense. Um, so we talked about it a little bit with Jared Goff. They've put some pieces around him. Um, they they you know he didn't have anything last year. Let's be honest. They they really hurt Jared with his. Um, with the, the targets and the people they put around him and they've, they've changed that this year. They've made a significant investment and boy, oh boy, is this, is this awesome? Um, let's see if I look really quick and see who's spending what I'm going to go, I'm going to work my way from five up. All right. Arizona spending right. 121 million on their offense, Tennessee, right. 121 million, Washington, 122, Dallas, 122, and number one overall, the Detroit Lions at 123 million spent on their offense. 
we've, we're, we're all in. That's it. We're done. It's it. We're good. So the context is important, like, because they're not like, obviously Jared Goff costs a lot. The, the way that Taylor Decker's contract was structured makes it, um, it, it the, the, the analogy to use is a Python swallowing a deer. You got to eventually get the deer down through your throat. They're doing that this year with a few contracts, Goff, Decker. Um, that, that, that's just the way that they structured them. So they would take the hit now with all the Chris, you love dead money mm, coming off kind of money. from last year. It's like bonus money. They're using all of that extra money that they got from not having the dead, not paying 52 players who never played for the team to be on the team, which they did last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're, they, they're, they're getting that through and they're going to crap it out the other end and it will be a lot better next year. And then next year, they're not going to be near the top in offensive spending just because of the way the contracts are structured and the way that some guys are going to get paid elsewhere. That's, that's it. Look, it's not, I, I won't say that it's disingenuous to present it this way, but I do think that the context of where the spending is and how it lays out in the long-term plans of the franchises is sorely lacking in the presentation. And, and like, like, and I, I told Warren Sharp that uh, he, 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 he muted me after that. So, but I, I think because it, it, it is, it is data and it's real, but it deserves greater explanation than just showing what the, the raw number is because that's the lions are in a different spot than what the Cowboys are, than what the, the Panthers are, the, who just added another 18.9 to their payroll to uh, where the Falcons are like the Falcons. I, I looked this up. They're spending $8 million on their edges. They, ha- they, there are 24 teams that are paying an edge more than the Falcons are paying their entire outside linebacker slash defensive end room. Like those are the type of things that have to get elaborated upon in situations like this. So when you see it, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, that, that makes a little more sense now. Um, obviously, yes, the lines are still spending a lot and we should expect a lot more because they are spending more. That That's not wrong, but context is needed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's fun to, to provide things in a, in a, in a cylinder like that without all the context because it generates conversation. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, the folks in the slack know my disdain and I won't say who, but it was a reputable beat um, content producer that um, had a article go out and it was, it was detriment. It was, it was, what was the word? Dan Campbell's in trouble kind of an article, whatever. Right. And it, it was, it was total clickbait. It wasn't written by them. It was paid content. Oh, it was paid content for a betting site. Took me a second. I right, got it. Right. And so it's literally, and this is to me, this is the the just a massive gutter that journalism has been has been hauled down into. Um, because they have printed material papers go out. Um they <laughs> They were paid by, and it's a paid ad. It's so like clickbait. It, the whole idea of that is we're going to write a uh, controversial headline to get you to look at something that may or may not even really be related to that headline. But the headline is the controversy to get you to click and join and get you to to see the ads and get paid. This was clickbait, but it wasn't just clickbait for like an article that a journalist wrote. It was clickbait for a paid ad that was disguised like an actual article sponsored content presented as news story. Yeah. And, and technically 
if you were looking, you could tell, but I saw a whole bunch of people discussing it as if it was a serious piece. I mean, I, I was, it was really disappointing. It, and, and, and the, you know, the next step for that is we'll pay you ad money to report a certain point of view. And it goes beyond sports. It goes into, you know, in, into everything. And, and, it, sports is just a part of a news organization. I mean, that, that's really frustrating uh, it, to see. I was disappointed. I'll brat out the, the the Fox affiliate here in Grand Rapids does that on their morning show from ten to eleven every day. They have sponsor a lot of a lot. One of them is a cosmetic dentist, yeah. and he comes in and it's like it's presented like a news interview, but it's a paid like he paid to be there. WJR and they has do disclose too. that at the beginning, but if you just tune in, you're not going to see that, and you're going to be like, oh. This is this is you know these these hosts are are you know promoting this and that, that that's not the case and I think we as consumers of this sort of product need to be better aware of that but also that that the, there's a lot of lines that are blurring there and I, I'm with you I don't like where those lines are being blurred at yeah yeah it's it's really the integrity the journalistic integrity is is shot and it's the it's the diminishing of the real news that used to have. You know, maybe it's like I say, I'm idealistic about it. The old guy with the fedora with the press card on it. Right. And the crappy flat, you know, the black. And white you miss Walter Cronkite. You know. <laughs> well, you know, there's something to be said. I mean, when when because your integrity, when you put when you fake an ad as as an article, you're 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 only one step away from faking the content of your article as an ad. And that's, there's a slippery slope there. Yeah, and you got banana peels oof, under your feet. Ooh, that bummed that bummed me out to see that, yeah. that really did. Because it's a it's a good outlet. Otherwise, that's just so. Anyway, okay. Let's let's roll on. Let's get to talking about uh, potential Lions breakout players. I saw some guy. He, he spells his name G E O F F, and he and he rised in. Um, he said the top candidates for a breakout in twenty twenty two. Oh, I think I can I can put your oh you're there okay. Um, and there were some really good players here. And you had a couple rookies that were excluded, and you had a couple guys in there. I want to, I want to know in your mind, in your head, who's the big player? Who's the top? Give me your top one, and then you can give me a second one after I tell you my top one so, breakout player. The first name I wrote down was only McNeil, yep, and he would be my top candidate to be the breakout candidate. And I know it's difficult for a nose tackle to break out. I think he is a special athletic talent, and I think the coaching staff has figured out that he can do things that most nose tackles or one techniques. Um, he's going to play some three technique. You're going to see him there. He can do things there that you haven't been able to do at that position with guys like Nick Williams or uh, I'm to think John Penasini, who's now retired, no, no longer with us. Um, there, the, he is has Penasini. such athletic ability that I think that they're going to unlock it. And I think they're going to let him. And the fact that he can do things, in conjunction with our rookies and in conjunction with Levi Anzarike, who's hopefully healthy. I think, I think Aline McNeil is a guy who's, who's got a shot at a pro bowl in a, in an NFC where it, after Aaron Donald, there's, there's a weird drop off. And obviously it's going to be drop off from Aaron Donald, but like Aline can ascend into that guy. I, I have very little doubt about that, that I think he's going to be that kind of guy. I, I'm a big fan. And, uh, I will continue to be so. So I will advocate for him. You know, I and I'm going to disagree with, but not without disagreeing. And, and let me tell you how I'm going to do that. Right. <laughs> how I'm going to do that mental gymnastics. My expectation is that Aleem is going to take the next step this year, and it could be a big step. I don't, so when I think about breakout, I'm like, ah, 
and maybe I'm thinking more surprise is the breakout rather than okay. just the, the performance factor. I just expect him to have that kind of a season. So that's, that's why he's not my guy, right? For, for this, but I agree with okay. you. I don't disagree with what you're saying about him and, 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 and that at all. When I think breakout, I think one of the guys that has the potential to really surprise people this year is Levi Anzarike. Um, came in, missed a year, came in hurt, He's healthy now. He's big. He's a guy that if, 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 and I'm, I'm counting on this, this team that they did, if they scouted him right and they scouted him well, he's a guy that I think is going to surprise folks with his play this year. So that's why, where I kind of come out with, and I think he's going to take a, a, obviously a step forward, but a very big leap forward from where he was to the point where he, I, I don't predict a Pro Bowl, but I predict this is a breakout season. Like Charles Harris had a breakout right. season, right? He's I mean, great, great example of a guy who did that. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where my head was at on that. So it's again, don't okay. disagree, but I think Levi is a guy who who could do it. Now, you know, we may find out he isn't what we thought he was, right? And that's that's there's always potential for that. And I would say actually the the odds are in favor of him not being what we thought he was because so many of the players were what we thought we, what, what we thought we were. So he just kind of is on the other end of the thing. I, uh, but the way he came back, I, I really like what I see so far from him. And he's a guy that I think can really, really pull it together this year. Yeah. So if you're referencing the column, I wrote it a little while ago, actually. Um, and it sat in my drafts for a long time. Cause I forgot to publish um, the other names that I thought of right away, Jeff Okuda, an obvious one. And we all got our fingers crossed. He, he looks so impressive physically it's just a matter of staying on the field and having his brain work as fast as his body is in motion because he did that last summer. Like last summer, there you you ask anybody who covers the team who was at training camp, they're like, he looks phenomenal. He looks like the number. He looks like a number one cornerback, and he had an up and down first game, half of a first game, and then it all went away. And uh, I, I think we're we're very cautiously optimistic that he's going to at least be the starting slot corner, if not more. And uh, again, again, that, that would be nice. Uh, I wrote down DeAndre Swift. Some of what I wrote DeAndre Swift for was as a runner, because as a receiver, he's really, really good. But right now he's basically theoretic 2.0. He needs to be able to do more when he gets the ball from the handoff or from a pitch play. He has he had the third worst broken tackle forced rate of any running back in the league last year. He goes down on first contact more than any other starter in the NFC. That can't continue. And he's got like he's bulked up. He is he looks so good physically. If he ever applies the mentality that he has as a grinder in the weight room to being a grinder on the field instead of trying to make guys miss. He can be a really, really good running back, and he has that potential. Yep. And I hope that it's there because if it is, this offense is going to be fun. Yeah. So he was another one, Taylor Decker. Uh, I think he can make the Pro Bowl, and, and some of that is the fact that he has stability next to him. Look, Jonah Jackson made the Pro Bowl last year. They're bringing the entire line back. They're going to be healthy. There's a lot less on his plate to worry about. Like he doesn't have to worry about his inside shoulder anymore. There's, there's a lot of things that I think are going to go his way. He's getting to the age now where tackles really start to peak. And if you look around the rest of the league, a lot of the like elite tackles are kind of falling off a little bit. Like there's a new generation coming in. He can be part of that. So I, I, I'm, I'm bullish on him. Uh, let me find the, 
the article went away. Let me look up the other guy that I had. Oh, <laughs> this one will be fun. Alex Anzalone. Anzalone. <laughs> Anzalone. <laughs> Let me tell you why I put him in. Because I think he played a lot better after Jamie Collins left. Yep. And I think that he has a better understanding of, and, and I think some of this is some of this is why the Lions value bringing him back so much, is because he knows the role that's going to be asked of him, and the coaches know what he can and can't do, and I think they're going to play to that. And I think it's going to be a year where you're going to see less of him trying to carry a tight end 25 yards down the field in coverage. I think it's going to be more of him instigating, attacking the tight end at the line of scrimmage going in and doing some run blitzing, some A-gap blitzing on defense. He's very good at that. You, you never saw it because it didn't happen last year. I think you're going to see a better Alex Does that mean I think that he's going to be a great linebacker? No, but I think he's going to be a much better linebacker, and I think he's going to ameliorate a lot of the worries that Lions fans have about their linebacking core. doesn't mean that, it, that he's the only one, like as, as Luke talked about, Derek Barnes has to step up too. Yep. I think Chris Board is somebody who's going to be a pleasant surprise for a lot of fans who don't know who the heck he is. Uh, he can run. He can run, folks. They, and, and then there's Malcolm Rodriguez. I don't, I don't want to put too much on the rookie, but I, I, like, <laughs> I like him a lot. He's a green dot so guy. That, right? th- th- those were my top candidates. Do you have anybody else that you thought of that, that might be a good, good choice there? I'll talk about a guy who – Again, this is probably a little different than what most people are thinking, but I think it's a guy I've, I've, I remember saying it way back when he started. I was like, this guy is going to be good. You watch him. Trust me. And it's my favorite name to say, Amani Arawarie. I think this guy takes the step this year. I mean, look, he looked good last year, right? And what I think what we saw was, oh, he's a lot better than what he was in that Patricia defense, right? And, and we heard it from Okuda. All the things that he learned that he thought he should have been taught in his rookie year leading into last year, um, the difference in the coaching. I think we're going to see our warrior really react this year. I think the relationship with him and Okuda and Jerry is solid. I think all the, the entire seatbelt gang is rocking together, man. They, they, they've got it going on. I think you're going to see a whole bunch of swag and a bunch of guys that are uh, rotating. And playing and and appreciating the ability to do that with each other. There's there's a certain amount of teamwork and communication that's going to be going on with these guys that we haven't seen. Um, I think Arawarie is the guy in there that's really going to take a step up. Question about Jerry Jacobs. Jerry looks great, and I love Jerry to death. I'm going to save for when we talk to Jerry. I'm going to let. I, I'm, I we'll, want people we'll, to we'll make we'll file their that away. Yeah. Um, and Jerry is a guy. We don't have to explain how how we feel about Jerry, but. We'll, we'll let Jerry say, we'll let Jerry speak for himself. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you guys will, you'll land where we did, where I do at least. And probably where Riz is on, on Jerry when we, when we get to speak to him and, and see what's going on. He'll be at the party, the training camp party. Let's not forget about that coming up on the 30th of July, 7 PM at the Uptown Grill in Commerce Township. Get your tickets at party.detroitlionspodcast.com party.detroitlionspodcast.com dinner, soft drinks, Jerry Jacobs, Dan Miller, Special guests, TBA, Riz, myself, Sandman, a whole bunch of people hanging out. It's going to be a great time. It's awesome, awesome, awesome fun. We'll do a live show there. We'll stream live from there. There's door prizes. It's a great time. Get there. Get your tickets before they sell out. Party.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. And next week, I think we'll start talking about uh, fantasy for this year as well. So there's a lot going on. 
Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that offensive side of the ball. I just want to, I just want to kind of hit the, uh, the Jared Doff, the Jared Goff thing. I think he's a guy that's going to perform a lot better this year because he's got the, the players around him to do that. He has the capability to do it. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Yep. All right. Get your stuff. If you want to be, uh, I guarantee you, you got a better shot of being on uh, hard knocks. If you go to training camp, wearing your seatbelt gang stuff, hint, hint, nod, nod. Know what I mean? Wink, wink. Uh, seatbeltgang.com. Get your stuff. Great, great stuff going on there. Great, great. Uh, there's shirts. There's, I mean, there's, I got this. I use it all the time now. This uh, Seatbelt Gang Bluetooth speaker with the logo on it. It's a charger and a, and a speaker. It's awesome. I use that while I'm sitting here doing stuff. Check it out. Seatbeltgang.com. All the merch. Uh, using the money uh, to, that we get raised to help support charities in Detroit. And, and do some good work with Jerry in Detroit. So uh, so get over there and do that with us. Appreciate you all doing that. Okay, with that, Riz's laptop is dying. It is. I'm at 2%. So if I go away, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> with that, we'll call it a show. Don't forget, um, it's Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Get access to the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet, which is our Slack chat. Donate at least $5 a month via Patreon. You'll get access to that. And it's the coolest, greatest group of people you'll ever find. All Lions fans. Chats about everything from barbecue to beer to you name it. It's all in there. Gambling. There's all different channels with all different topics. It's great stuff. If you want to get stuff submitted for the podcast, things you want us to cover, we have a podcast topics channel where you can get right in there and talk to us directly. And it's straight to the horse's ass. And uh, we get that stuff on the show all the time. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast, DET Lions Podcast, and at Jeff Risden, as you see right there. Uh, get, get us on Twitter. You'll have a good time with that. And also give us a call via Skype. It's Detroit Lions Podcast. It's all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast. Or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS, 929-33-54667. Ah, I forgot. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit it. Dang it. We had 150 you guys. Get the, the button. See, now that I only do it once, I forget to do it. Uh, be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast so we can do what, Riz? What do we do? We can, we can come into your ear holes automatically. Mm, thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no battery, no problems, because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.